0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Connor, and you're listening to Film Talks. This week, we're talking about the Peanut Butter Falcon. First off, I want to say thank you, Rachel Misselbeck, for uh, bringing this back up to my memory. I, I remember hearing about it, seeing the trailer for it. It came out in 2019, I think, if my memory serves me right. It's It, it was a different kind of movie, one of those low-budget indie films, about uh, a guy, uh, a kid, a guy with Down syndrome who meets up with Shia LaBeouf, who's basically this drifter character who's you know had a hard life, and together they create this uh, camaraderie, this family. And uh, I was interested in it. I was like, oh, this this sounds like a fun movie. But on the flip side, I was like, you know what? It's probably gonna be one of those movies that makes you cry. And you had to be in a really particular mood to watch one of those movies. So I just, I never got to it. So I just kept putting it off, putting it off, and then I forgot about it. So then Rachel Misselbeck uh, brought it up when uh, I I did my refresh of the podcast. And she's like, you should watch this and review it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do it. And very impressed with what I got. It was not at all what I thought it was. Um, Sometimes to its detriment, other times to its benefit. It's a really short movie, honestly. I mean, maybe it's because I'm used to watching, like, like these big epic movies like Avengers or Lord of the Rings where it's, like, four hours long. Like, I just watched the Zack Snyder Justice League four hours long. Uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, an hour and 37 minutes, completely manageable. I was actually questioning midway through. I'm like, how are they going to, like, do a movie this quick? Uh, but they did it. And I think that that leads directly into um, when we talk about the structure of the movie. how does How does this movie play out? so you start off with the character of Zach, who's played by Zach, a young man who has Down syndrome. and the he, he's actually the star, obviously, he's the star of the movie. And the directors apparently met with him one day, and he was like, "Hey, I want to be in a movie, I want to be an actor, and there's not a lot of movies that are looking for people with Down syndrome, like, you're not seeing a lot of those kind of films, and they were like, you know what, let's do this, uh, let's make a story for you, and you got the Peanut Butter Falcon, I think that's a really cool thing, that these two directors met with this guy out of, out of the blue, and they just connected, and they liked each other, and they felt like a story was there, and then they made one, uh, but... Uh, Zach, the character, is a, is a man with Down syndrome who's been abandoned by his family and placed in a old folks home, essentially. And you get to meet his kind of creativity and kind of rebellious side because he's trying to escape the old folks home because obviously he's a young man. He doesn't he's not an old person. His life isn't at its end. It's just beginning, and he feels like he's kind of losing what he could get if he were out there. Um, he has dreams, aspirations, and he can't achieve those locked inside of a, a building. So uh, he tries to escape with the help of some old people. Um, the first one ends up not going okay, and he's labeled a flight risk, which means they put bars on his windows, which then leads to a extremely hilarious scene where the the old man that he's rooming with is like, I was an engineer. Here's how we get out of this. And they they manage to bend the bars a little bit using cloth, I guess. And then he gives Zach this uh, baby oil or lotion, whatever you want to call it. And he's like, just cover your body in this, get rid of your clothes, and you'll slip right through. So he, he strips down to his underwear he covers himself in sticky substances and just slips right out through the bars, and now he's free in the middle of the night. But he is alone, no clothes, and he's just stalking through these public areas now, trying not to get caught. Obviously, because he doesn't want to go back to the home, but uh, he's he's completely naked, and it's hilarious because he's you know just he's in a junkyard and he's crawling, trying to avoid people's glances, and. In the junkyard, he finds a boat, and he gets in it, hides under there, and that's his beginning of the story. On the flip side, we are also watching Shia LaBeouf's story. Obviously, you can kind of tell straight from the beginning, Shia LaBeouf is where you're going to get your moody indie drama, and that's where I was not wanting to go and I immediately saw it and I'm like I'm not gonna get too invested in this however I know Shia LaBeouf has done bad things I've heard the things in the news even during this film even during the the filming of this movie I think he was caught with a DUI or whatever he without a doubt at this point in his acting career can channel that inner darkness because I definitely feel like he's he's experiencing it, or has experienced it, and it's, it's so sad, because, like, I remember, you know, you watch the Transformers movies, you watch his earlier stuff, like iRobot, or, or Holes, and he's just, you know, he's fun, he's energetic, he's loud, and then you get to seeing him in movies like this, his more later movies, and he's just so sad like you can see it in his face and his eyes that it's it just feels like more than a character it's just who he is now and yeah i mean it works to his character's benefit that's what his character is they down on his luck kind of not a hermit but he's he's not rich he's he's a poor kid living on the bayou i guess bayou. i don't here's here's another thing that i was really confused about is where this is actually located like where did they film this where does all this take place? Because I know uh, midway through the movie, Shia LaBeouf is like, we're going to Florida. But I can't figure out where they were starting from. But it's, it's in the south, and they're trying to get to Florida. So uh, I'm going to say Bayou. But regardless, he actually suffers a lot of trauma in, in this movie before before it even starts. His brother, who's played by John Bernthal... Uh, who you might know from The Walking Dead, or he plays the Punisher. Uh, He has no speaking lines, but through a series of flashbacks, you learn that Shia LaBeouf actually killed his brother. Uh, It was either he was drunk while driving, or he just fell asleep while driving. I'm pretty sure he just fell asleep, and you see the car start drifting, and, you know, you're led to believe that he killed his brother, essentially. And terrible, obviously. So Shia LaBeouf is struggling, He's had some problems with other people. Uh, you see, you see a very early rivalry building up between him and this other character named Duncan, and he's he's stealing crabs from Duncan, and Duncan doesn't like that. And there's, you know, he has to punish Shia LaBeouf based on principle. So Shia LaBeouf basically runs away to his boat to escape uh, Duncan, Mr. Evil Crabman, and just so happens that Zack is hiding in Shia LaBeouf's boat, and that's how they meet. Actually, the the actual first time they meet is when they're hiding in the weeds on the boat and he notices that Zack's under the tarp. He lifts the tarp up and Zack, out of being seasick or just nervous, just starts vomiting everywhere. And so Shia LaBeouf actually clamps his hand over Zack's mouth as he's vomiting. Super gross, but kind of hilarious at the same time to just to be Shia LaBeouf and see some random dude in your boat naked down to his underwear, just vomiting over himself. And and that's where and that's where you go. You basically throughout the course of the movie start from there and then Zack and Shia build this relationship realizing that hey, we need each other. I think Zach obviously needed Shia because he's never really done anything on his own. He doesn't know where to go. His his big goal, obviously, his aspiration throughout the movie is to be a wrestler there's uh there's this big uh, not wwe but i guess a a, a, rest, a professional wrestler he would always watch when he was in the old folks home his name is the saltwater redneck and he he wants to go to the saltwater redneck school but he doesn't know how to get there so he goes to shia labeouf and he's like can you take me there and and at first shia labeouf's really not interested and he's not interested in such a way that he doesn't even clothe zach he's just like fine you can come whatever Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, actually, the, the thing that shifts him towards helping Zach is he realizes that the, the crab people are actually creating, they're, they're shutting off the roads and they're, they're attracting everybody to, to look at Shia LaBeouf and find him and bring him to justice and all that. So Shia can't use the roads and he goes back. Where he left Zach earlier, and Zach's actually getting bullied by these kids, and these kids are telling, telling kind of egg and Zach on to jump off this really high platform into the water, but Zach can't swim, and he's just like, "No, I don't want to, no." And the kids like, "Do it, do it," and being such a jerk, and and Zach ends up doing it because he's just like, oh, "Okay," and he jumps even though he knows he can't swim. Shia. Gets to the top of the platform. He he turns to the kid. And I was like, oh, he's going to, he's going to, I don't know. He's going to tussle his hair. He's going to be, you know, he's going to say something. No, he straights up sucker punches the kid in the face. And he's just like, why'd you do that? And he jumps into the river and uh, saves Zach and pulls him out. And it's just hilarious. Uh, Only Shia would punch a kid straight in the face. But even then, after he's committed to helping Zach, does he give him clothes? Not really. He, he periodically throughout the film is like, okay, here's another article of clothing. In the beginning, they're just straight walking through a cornfield, Shia fully clothed, with clothes in his backpack that we know he has. And Zack's still walking behind him barefoot in his underpants. And I'm like, can you give the guy some clothes Regardless, I don't, maybe it just adds to Zack's charm, but the whole time he's just this, um, he he obviously has darkness. Like anyone else, he has problems. He, he has, again, these dreams, but he doesn't know how to get to the dreams, but he's so his focus towards realizing his dream is what really pulls everything together. You have Shia, who's kind of, he's more than down on his luck. He's kind of just given up. Like, he's just like, this is my life. It's just crap. I I I did all these bad things, I killed my brother, I ruined my life, and I just gotta live with it. And Zack is the complete opposite personality where he's just like, I don't care how bad things get, I can always make it better, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for that and I'm gonna get there. And he kinda he carries Shia along with him just as much as Shia carries Zack. Because, you know, Shia's got information that Zack doesn't know, but Zack has that. Oomph, that positivity that Chaya needs, that I think everyone needs in order to keep pushing forward. That without Zack, Shia would have just fallen into himself way earlier. But still, you know, that positive energy can get annoying. So one of the first conversations they have is just Zack kind of, you know, trudging behind Chaya, Shia. and Shia's character, his name is Tyler. And the whole movie, you're going to hear it constantly. It's just Zack in the background going, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler and Shia's like no no more Tyler no more Tyler don't say that anymore I don't I don't care what you have to say I don't want to know just just be quiet and follow me and we're going to get to our location and then we'll be good Uh, but that's not who Zach is Zach's going to keep pushing he's going to you know he's going to get those answers and which leads to Shia kind of humoring him a little bit and having a conversation with him and he, he tells him these rules. He's like, rule number one, don't slow me down. And, you know, he gives him some, he gives him like pants or something or boots or whatever. And he's like, don't slow me down. And then he says a bunch of other rules. And this is where I think the fun of this movie comes into play because what I've read is the actor, Zach he ad-libbed a lot of stuff in ways I think that only he could really ad-lib. So only a few minutes after saying the rules to Zach. Shia's like, all right. What's rule number one? And Zach's like, after a long pause, he's just like, party. And and Shia's like, oh my gosh. Uh, and they, they they there's so much there's so much adorable energy between the two of them. And and this is really where I think Shia shines, for his character is just as much as I think his. His uh, real life darkness shows through this role. You can see just pure joy as well. I think he's really, really good at getting those raw emotions that just seem so natural and real. Like they have this montage where Zach and Shia are getting together and they're making uh, uh, helmets out of watermelon, and uh, Shia's trying to teach Zach some training and you know push-ups and balance and stuff and they just they're just laughing together and you can you can just feel that that relationship that the two of them have and, and the love that they have for each other and I don't know if it's just from the actors kind of vibing off each other or if you know it's purely the story I think it's it's way more than that it's got to be the actors because I think Zach the actor is Zach the character it's the same person and chaya is just, vibing off that and he's just like, you know, Zach's just wonderful. And as a viewer, it's it's awesome because you, you just want more of Zach. You're like, give me more of him. But yeah, sadly, the one uh character that really pushes me the wrong way is Dakota Johnson's character. And you might know her from what are these wonderful movies called? Fifty Shades, the Fifty Shades franchise. She is also related to Antonio Banderas in some way. I don't remember. I think she's his stepdaughter. Maybe not. She's in some way related to Antonio Banderas. So look it up. It's very interesting. I did a report on Antonio Banderas, and I was like, oh, crap. The Fifty Shades girl's related to him in some way. I don't remember what it is, but look it up. Regardless, uh, I haven't seen a lot of movies with her, but this one didn't really work for me. In, And I don't know if it's just her... But I just didn't feel like her character added a lot. And in many ways, it kind of took away. I just wanted to see Shia and Zack together because they were so interesting and fun. And and it was just great. And then she kind of comes in and throws in a wrench and not in a pleasing way. You're just like, why is she here? Like, it seemed like she was just there to be a romantic interest for Shia. But whenever Shia and her were together, Shia was kind of uh, was kind of gross and misogynistic in a way that was kind of unappealing and made you not like Shia's character so I was like why why are you here just for me to not like Shia because I'm I'm not supposed to like Shia in the beginning anyways he's kind of he's he's a screw-up and and her coming around uh, it didn't add anything in fact there were many scenes that were related to hers that just made me like question like what is going on like there's this part early in the movie where Zack escapes the um Uh, what's it called, the old folks' home, and the, the guy who owns the building calls Dakota Johnson into his office and is like, so you labeled this guy a flight risk? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, you lost him. And... And at that moment I was like what what is going on? Why did she lose him? She's just she's like a social worker at best. You had a security team. You had all this stuff. Why is it her fault that he left the building? He he pulled the bars apart and 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 wiggled out of the window. What more was she supposed to do? And he's like find him or we'll have to file a report. And she she's like maybe we should file a report anyways. And he's like no no no. And I'm like oh maybe this is Supposed to talk about corruption? I don't know. It was just a strange scene. And there was a lot of that stuff with her where I was just like, why is she here? This isn't important to the story. Zach is trying to get to Saltwater Redneck and Shia is trying to get to Florida, but really he's just trying to survive and not hate himself. And they were accomplishing both of those. And then she comes in and you're like, I guess, I guess she was there to show how Shia meant well for Zack there's this there's this really funny scene where uh, they're all three of them are on a raft, and <laughs> it's hilarious because you know this whole time Zach and Shia have been doing these training montages, and you you sense this disagreement stirring between Dakota Johnson and Shia because Shia doesn't like the way that Dakota Johnson is babying Zach that he thinks Zach is is a man and able to accomplish things on his own because Zach that's what Zach wants. Uh, But Dakota Johnson is worried for him and maybe doesn't think he can accomplish all the things that Zack wants. So Shia is like, all right, Zach, we're going to do a new a new training method. We're going to practice holding our breath. And and he has Zack put his head under the water as they're sailing. And he's like, I'll count, I'll count. And he puts his head under the water. And as he's doing that um, Shia and Dakota are going back and forth, you know, oh, he needs this, oh, he needs this. And then he pops his head back up and Zach's like, oh, oh, that was pretty good. I think that was pretty good. What was the time? And Shia's like, long really long. And he's like, yeah. And he's shaking his head. He's like, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Dakota Johnson's like, we're not done. Uh Do it again. Do it again. And he's like, OK, OK. He doesn't he doesn't even like think anything's going on. He's just like he's just so into holding his breath that all of his attention is there. He goes back under the water and they start arguing and then he pops back up and he's got a fish. This kid Zach's just Awesome, and you're just like he's hilarious. He's funny. He gets all these cool moments, and and the best one of all is at the very end where he meets Saltwater Redneck, who's played by Thomas Hayden Church. He's in a lot of stuff. Uh oh, what was he in that I just saw? He was in We Bought a Zoo, which is definitely not the thing that most people will know him from. I just can't remember what he's from. But he was in We Bought a Zoo. He's uh, Matt Damon's brother, I think, in that one. He's got a very deep voice. Uh, Anyways, so he plays the saltwater redneck, and he's retired, and there's this big, you know, dramatic scene where Zach's like, "Uh, who's this guy? And obviously, saltwater redneck is Thomas Church's character's nickname for wrestling. He has a different name, and Zach's just like, where's the saltwater redneck? And he's like, "Uh, I'm retired. And, you know, he's kind of just, like, in disbelief. He's like, oh, the saltwater redneck is just hiding in, in the woods somewhere. We'll find him. We'll find him. And in a truly heartwarming moment, he... He pulls up in his car and he's got the saltwater redneck makeup on. And he's like, Zach, do you want to learn how to wrestle? And he's like, heck yeah, I do. I knew you were here. I knew you were around. And you know, he's got his hand on the car trying to act all cool. And he's like, you see, guys, I told you he was here. And he hops in the car and he's like, he's like, may, may my family come in too? And he's like, of course. And he's like, come on in. He says it's fine. <laughs> he's just hilarious. And, th- and then it gets to this point where... Uh, the Saltwater Redneck arranges for Zack to get into an actual wrestling match. Uh, it's supposed to be a friendly, like, just some scripted, you know, back-and-forth kind of thing with this big, big dude. But the big dude is insulted by this. That that Zack comes out of the entry area dressed like a falcon and calling himself the Peanut Butter Falcon and, like, spreading his wings and stuff. And it, Which, by the way, is... Easily one of the best parts of the movie because he comes out of the bar and everybody's just like, "What is this?" But his positive energy just gets everybody going because then he starts high fiving people and he just kisses this random lady on the forehead and you know he's he's just feeding off the energy and he gets into the ring and the big wrestler guy is just like, "What is this? I didn't sign up for this," uh, and and he just refuses to take it easy on zach and zach's never wrestled before he doesn't know what he's doing so this big guy is just beating down on him like literally like he's punching him he's throwing him and it, it's, it gets rough and people are getting scared and Shia's is just like do i need to throw this do i need to throw in the towel uh am i inflicting damage on zach when i was really just trying to you know help him live his dream and then comes the big moment the, the big moment of, of Zach's life up until this point because before this you've you've seen this kind of teased multiple times that uh, in in the old folks home he watches the saltwater redneck and he's there's this thing called the atomic throw where he lifts the opposing wrestler up above his head and throws him out of the ring and he's like, I'm gonna learn how to do that move And then he meets the saltwater redneck and he's like, let me just admit this to you. That was fake. It wasn't real at all. It was just editing tricks and some wires and it's not possible. So, of course, what does Zach do? He gets in the ring just as he's about to get beat down. He lifts up this giant man in the most insane way that of course in practicality isn't possible but it happens and it's so funny because he's just like you know he's in slow motion raising this giant guy and the giant guy's like what's going on and the whole crowd is like holy crap and then he throws him out of the ring and everybody's just in amazement and then badness happens badness that almost dare i say ruined the movie for me as as i've alluded to shia has this back and forth with this duncan character and uh just as things are looking good and it looks like they the zach shia and dakota have this family going on uh duncan comes in just as zach throws the guy out of the ring with this um with this pipe i guess i think it was a pipe and he smacks shia in the the side of the head and everything goes black and then we go to the, we cut to the hospital and everything's so somber, obviously, because you don't know what's wrong with Shia. And then, you know, Dakota Johnson's crying. Zach's just, you know, kind of, you know, he's just sad. He lost his best friend. And then we cut to them in a car and Zach sort of pats the back seat and it cuts to the back seat and you see Shia in the back seat laying down with some ice on his head. And he's, you know, smiling, gives the thumbs up. And I'm like, what is going on? It was so confusing. I looked at IMDb. Apparently, the producers told the directors they should kill Shia LaBeouf at the end. Not when they were writing the movie, but when it got to the end, they saw the movie and they were like, I think Shia shouldn't survive in the end. I don't think he should be in the car. I, I don't. I think they should just not show him in the car and you, you as the viewer should understand that Shia died. And I don't know if that's better or worse. Honestly, it's, it might be make more sense. That, you know, he gets hit in the head with this iron, everybody's sad, he's dead. You know, it's sad, it's disappointing. I would leave the movie with a bad taste in my mouth. But the way it did end was so odd because it it ends with sadness, but then you find out he's in the car and he's fine. So why was everybody crying? They don't really explain it. Does he have a head injury? I don't know. Well, I mean, he probably has a head injury. That was a pretty hard pipe. It probably hurt a lot. And I'm just not sure what they were trying to accomplish. Maybe they didn't know how to end it, and that's just how they ended it. You know, there was darkness in the movie, obviously, but such a movie with such a great message where, you know, about family, that uh, even if you don't have blood family, you can make your family, and uh, what that family can do for you, what togetherness means, what you can accomplish with others by your side, with that desire to do something great, that you can do it. And then you have this Shia storyline that I thought aligned with that, but then he gets his Kermuppens in the end. And I'm like, why? Is it... It just didn't make sense to me. I don't know. If anybody's seen it, maybe they can explain what they thought was the reasoning for such a dark ending. I don't know. But uh, it turned a movie that was probably, you know, kind of acceptable for families. Not young families, but kind of acceptable for families. And it just made it excessively dark. I wasn't a fan. But that's the structure. Uh, We talked about the characters. I uh, liked Zack. I'd love to see more with Zack. Heck, um... I don't know what you could do with uh, an actor like that, but I was very impressed with the stuff he was able to put forth. It was really cool. I want more, Zach. I want more Zach in movies. Shia I was perfectly fine with. I don't think they gave his character a lot of complex things to do. I think a lot of the characters were very simple, and it was a very indie uh, way of making a movie where it seemed like a lot of it was ad-libbed and a lot of it was just actors vibing off of each other. And you know, for the most part, it worked. The look of the movie, again, it was an independent film, and it had that vibe for sure. It was, it was, you know, low budget buy you. It wasn't necessarily a look that I particularly like, where it's you know, junkyards and uh, and uh, jumping into lakes and overall dirty people, because I don't, I don't know, like dirty clothes, old dirty clothes and stuff. It was, you know, it was that kind of look. Uh, as for the feel of the movie i wouldn't say the feel was a family movie but it was definitely heartfelt and positive again the the ending kind of throws a wrench in that literally um but I, I definitely i definitely feel like you'll watch this movie and you'll you'll feel happy you'll get you'll get laughs out of it you'll just get that that overfilling of joy that i think mostly comes from Zach um but you'll definitely get that kind of feeling. In terms of rewatchability, I would definitely, this is one of those movies where I would watch it with other people again. So like if um, if Jasmine or, or my mom or my dad were like, hey, I want to watch this movie, I would watch it again with them. It definitely, I think a plus for a dramatic kind of movie that such as this. I don't think there's a lot of dramas where I'm like, oh, I want to watch that again. It's kind of typically with dramas, I'm like, I'll watch it and I'll never watch it again. Even if I like it. It's just, you know, I don't want to go through the emotions again. But this one wasn't so heart-wrenching that I would be like, oh, uh, afraid to go through it again. But yeah, so rewatchability, pretty good, honestly. And who would I recommend it to? I would recommend it to families. I would recommend families mm, with kids maybe above 10. Because, you know, there's some dark imagery that I think, you know, some people might get confused by. There's a couple scenes where there's some showdowns with guns. There's obviously the the head injury with Shia. Uh, They use the R word because of Zack, obviously, and that's to incite him and stuff. Or, I guess, mostly to incite Shia, because he doesn't like it when people call Zack that. Uh, Overall, I think that that's what you're going for. You're going for those people who are looking for that, that movie that can, you know give you that happiness, that happy vibe. So uh, shoot for that. Um, Since we're getting to the end of the episode, I want to mention the people who commented on my Facebook and Instagram stuff. So on Instagram, I had my Aunt Beth. She said, uh, she loved this movie. it made her laugh. It made her cry. I don't it didn't make me cry. I was nervous about that. It definitely made me laugh. It'll make I think it'll make most people laugh. There's some hilarious stuff in here that'll make you literally laugh out loud, even if you're alone, um, if you get really invested in it, it'll make you cry. I think I was trying not to get too invested in it, but it's possible. And uh, I had my frequent listener and frequent commenter Dan, he said it's really good. He watched it with his dad. It was a heartwarming film that was pretty funny. Uh, he said that I would enjoy it, and the ending is a bit uh, abrupt for his taste. And I 100% agree with you, Dan. That ending was out of nowhere. I was like, "What? why is this? Why? Why would you end it this way? I don't understand. I really honestly feel like they just didn't know how they were going to end it. And they were like, this is how we're going to do it uh and then laureen lewis she said it was an awesome movie two thumbs up i agree with you laureen two thumbs way up and thank you again rachel misselbeck for having me talk about this movie or even having me see this movie i might not have seen this movie it weren't for you uh so thank you and uh yeah that's that's all i got for this episode everyone thank you for tuning in feel free to comment like Uh, You can't subscribe but follow, I guess, my Instagram and Facebook, Film.TalksOfficial. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Film Talks. Again, I I do stuff with that sometimes. (laughs) Regrettably, not a lot lately. But uh, in the future, I'm planning on doing some stuff. But yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope to see you again soon. Have a great week. So long.